we're going to look here in John chapter 1. You know, John picked up his pen somewhere, somewhere around 90 A.D. and began to write. When, when he begins to write, there's no reason for him to give a, a genealogy. About 40 years ago, Matthew wrote that. He's already read it. He's already seen it. He's already read the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke. Luke has already written the Acts of the Apostles. He's already read those things. He knows that they're there. The Apostle Paul has written all 13 letters to the churches. I'm sure he's probably read all 13 of those letters. He knows he knows what they say. The book of Hebrews has been written. He's probably already read Hebrews. I mean, most of these have been written for more than, than 30 years. So there, there's a lot there that has been said. But, but there's still so much more to be said. If John doesn't sit down and write, then we know nothing about the wedding in Cana of Galilee. We don't know anything about the water turned into wine. The first recorded miracle of Jesus before he really even began in his ministry, we know nothing about it. We know nothing about the nobleman who came and said, my son is sick and, and needed healing. And the Lord sent him on his way and said he's healed. And when he got home, he'd been healed. We know nothing about that nobleman. We wouldn't know anything about the Samaritan woman, the story of the woman at the well. We wouldn't know anything about that kind of grace that God would extend in spite of however we've lived and whatever kind of baggage we bring to the well when we meet Jesus, whatever kind of trouble we bring, whatever kind of garbage we have anybody have any garbage in your life when you came and met Jesus and he met you at the well and he didn't care grace took over all that stuff so so without it we don't have any uh, of that so so many many things have been written yet there's there's so many things that that still need to be said the word of God says I suppose that, that if all the things were written that the earth couldn't contain the books so there's no way that all the things of God and all the things of, of Christ could be told. But, but the, the apostles are, are all gone here when John sits down to write. Every one of the, uh, the apostles, the elders of the original church, not only are they all dead, not only are they all gone home to be with the Lord, they were all martyred. Every one of them were killed for the cause of Jesus Christ, martyred by those who rose in opposition against them. The only one left is John, and he's the only one of all of them that actually dies of old age. By the time he puts his pen down five years later, he's given us the Gospel of John. He's given us three letters in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he's given us an apocalypse called the book of the Revelation. Now, as many things as John had to say, and as important as they all are, I don't know that any of it could be any more important than the way he starts out in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, in verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and was not anything made. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. I, I want to look for just a few minutes this morning at created. Created to worship. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit in this place. Thank you for your presence. God, I pray, Lord, you'd forgive us of anything that would hinder your spirit from being in this place. God, I pray, Lord, you'd wipe away every sin. Lord, we brought every kind of problem, every kind of trouble, every kind of distraction, every mountain, every valley. We brought it all in here with us, God. Lord, I pray you'd move some mountains now. Lord, I pray you'd help us, Father. 
Take away the distractions, anything that would hinder you from doing the work. Forgive us, God, of our many sins. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in here. Let us see you this morning, God. I pray we'd see you move in here and change some lives. And, Lord, help each one of us walk out better to serve you better. We love you, God. You've been good to us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this morning, I'll go ahead and tell you before I get started, I, I am officially a pirate. Well, I don't know about a pirate. I may be more like Robin Hood. Pirates just take stuff. I'm going to take stuff and give it back to somebody else, right? I, I'm going to take it, and I'm going I'm to learn because I learned a lot of things that I took. And then like Robin Hood, I'm going I'm to take it and hand it back off because I'm going to use the wisdom and the knowledge of four incredibly mm, intelligent men, if you will. One, I, I brought the book last week from Dr. Phillips, Dr. John Phillips, on the Gospel of John. I read the preface there in it. So I'm going to use some things from his book. The other would be Nathan R. Woods. He wrote a book called The Secret of the Universe. It came in on Tuesday. I read it Tuesday, Wednesday. Finished it up Thursday. You may want to get it. If you like science and you like some in-depth stuff and you want to see God in science, I would suggest you get it. If you don't like reading in-depth, you probably don't want to get it. He is very intelligent. And people that are very intelligent and use very intelligent words make it very difficult for people like me to read it. So it's probably one I'm going to need to read again. I mean, when I'm reading, I have to stop and look up words to understand what he just said. You know it's a pretty in-depth book. But obviously an intelligent man with a lot of wisdom and the secret of the universe. The third is, of course, Dr. Harold Wilmington. I use a lot of his stuff in the Guide to the Bible. And the fourth is going to be Louis Giglio. Everybody know him? So from the opening statement of John 1.1, the Holy Spirit reaffirms what God has already taught us in the opening statement of the Bible, that God is a plural God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. God is Elohim. That is a plural noun. It expresses more than one. I, I, I will say this this morning. As we look at the unity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three is one, one is three. As we look at the unity of God, I hope it will help us take the three weeks that we spent looking on the unity of the church and understand the necessity of that unity understand why we need to be one as we look here at the unity of God. Now, Dr. Phillips says, embedded throughout the Word of God is the idea of the Trinity. One God, three persons. Not one plus one plus one, which would be three different entities, and that would equal three. But it's one times one times one, which equals one, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit equals one God. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 8, he says that God is Love. Well, well, love is not an abstract necessity of being. Love is an object. Therefore, if God is love, then there has to be an object to love. If God is love, there has to be something to love. So God loves us, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But it has to be deeper than that. If God is love and God is eternal and he is, he is without beginning and without end, then God has to have another eternal object to love. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The, the, God the Father is the unseen part. The, the Word of God tells us that, that no man has ever seen God. But God manifests himself in the Son, Jesus Christ, that men might see God. The Holy Spirit is the messenger of God, the one that God sends out. You don't see him, but somebody in here ought to say amen. You feel him. So you have God the unseen, God the seen, 
God the felt. Once again, three in one. Everything about creation, everything that God has designed is a picture of the Trinity. We look at the universe. You have space, matter, and time. Space is length, breadth, and height. Matter is energy, motion, phenomena. Time is past, present, future. Our own body is body, mind, and soul. It takes three parts. You can't take any of the three parts away from any of them and have the whole. You have to have all three to have one. For, for example, if you take away the breadth, the length, or the height, then you no longer have space. You either have a straight line or you have a plane. But if you take away any one of the three, then you don't have space. If we look at matter, if you take away energy, motion, or phenomena, no two parts can exist without the third part. So it takes three to make one, but one makes three. God put the Trinity in everything that we do. Nathan Wood's book, The Secret of the Universe, he says, here's the common facts about the world around us. They're so great and so universal that we cannot wholly grasp them. Yet they are so simple, so broad, and so self-evident that we cannot for an instant reject them. In the test of the facts, he says the Trinity is absolutely involved in Jesus. It's never presented apart from him, neither by himself or by the New Testament writers. There is no Trinity apart from Jesus. Throughout his life, Jesus teaches us of the Father and of the Spirit. Nathan Woods, he kind of expounds on what Dr. Phillips said about the one plus one plus one. He talks a little bit more about having the, the times. You, you have to have all three dimensions and you have to have multiplication. If you take the, the length times the width times the height, that gives you the volume of something. In other words, that gives you the fullness of the object. So you have to have all three to see the one. He says that God is more deeply, infinitely one than he could ever be if he were not also three. One times one produces an intensive, multiplied unity, deeper, greater, more one than simple unity could ever be. You know, man tries so hard in their wisdom. Man tries so hard to write off the things of God. Man tries so hard to negate the word of God, to try to tear down. They try to come up with their own things. And I can tell you there are some incredibly smart people on this earth. Anybody say amen? I mean, there are some people who are brilliant beyond end. And, and they have all, but the problem is they use their witness to try to defy the things of God so that the word of God says in Romans one twenty two, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And that's where the world is today. Professing themselves to be wise, they try making up all their stuff. They have all the lies that they're telling you in school, middle school, emerge, y'all paying attention? Everything they're telling you in school is a lie. Evolution never happened. We didn't come from apes. You didn't lose your tail. You became, you created by the hand of God. God made you in an image, formed you in a mother's womb. He formed Adam of the dust of the earth. He formed Eve of the rib of a man, and he made mankind. It didn't come from evolution, the entire thing. I'll look at it a little bit more in a minute. But none of it makes sense. They have pragmatic philosophy, richlandism, psychology, behaviorism, quantum theory, all of the things that they teach you in school are lies. And here's what they won't tell you. Even within their own science lab, not one of them will stand the circle of the test. Not one. Every one of their theories in a lab trying to make a full circle will fail before it comes back around. 
the only one that will stand the test of the time is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the dark. And the light God called day. And the dark he called night. The Word of God is the only test in the science lab that will stand a full circle test. So they make up their lies, and they teach their lies, even though their lies are proven wrong. Here's the reality of the universe, and, and these are proven to be true by the same science. There are millions of galaxies whirling through space at incredible speeds, using enormous amounts of energy, and never get out of place. Never get off balance. Never, never falter. They, they stay on designed paths throughout it. Now, science has got some incredible telescopes, right? It, it lets us look further than we've ever been able to look. I mean, every day they're finding things that they didn't even know was out there. Just this week I read this article. Even though we've discovered more than 5,000 Earth-like exoplanets, that is any planet outside of our own solar system, they found more than 5,000 planets outside of our own solar system that they consider Earth-like planets. Most of these are not Earth-like at all. They're much larger than the Earth, and they're more like gas giants. That's why it's exciting when a planet comparable to Earth is discovered. Researchers looked at a planet called LP890-9b using a ground telescope called Speculos. They have studied the planet, which is about 30% larger than the Earth. It orbits, ex orbits extremely close to its star with the year lasting just 2.7 days. While researching this planet, they located another planet called LP890-9c. This second planet is about 40% larger than the Earth, and it orbits farther out with the year lasting about 8.5 days. Because the star is much smaller and cooler than our own sun, that places it in the habitable zone. So if they find something like this, that's considered a habitable zone. To learn more about this planet and to see if it truly is hospitable for life, they plan to research it more using the James Webb Telescope to study its atmosphere. Reality is that science sets its telescopes in, into the far reaches of space. And space is so large, they've got to have a way to measure it. I mean, there's nothing on Earth that we can measure space with, right? So they came up with, with light years. That's the measurement at 186,237 miles per hour that they use light years to study it. So here's what science will tell you, and Siri, you can ask her. She'll tell you the same thing, that, that our sun, according to light years, according to the measurement, is point zero zero zero. 0006123 light years away from Earth. You want me to put that in English and tell you how far the sun is away from the Earth in that measurement? About eight minutes. So according, according to the measurement that you use to measure space, the sun is about eight minutes away. But yet with telescopes, they can see other galaxies and other solar systems that are millions of light years from here. Are you starting to understand how far away those things have got to be? Isn't it amazing the technology that God has given us to even let us see that far out so that we can begin to understand that we can't even slightly comprehend the expanse of the heavens? We can't even begin to understand the awesomeness and, and, and the greatness of God? All we can do is claim that we have no way to know how many galaxies there are, how many planets. We don't even know how many stars there are, yet God says he telleth the number of the stars. And calleth them all what? 
by name. If he knows the stars and you're the only thing created that the word of God says in his image, do you think he doesn't know your name? Every little detail, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Now, one of the stars is called Antares. It's so large that it can hold 64 million planets the size of our sun. That's awesome, isn't it? Now, in the constellation Hercules, there's a star that can hold 100 million planets the size of Antares. Is that like, we, we can't even begin it, can we? So, so not only is the size of the heavens amazing, but the, the precision of it all, all of it moving, all of it turning, all of it swirling. Even in our own galaxy, we live in the Milky Way galaxy, right? Emerge, y'all paying attention? Y'all have learned this part, right? So even in the Milky Way galaxy, here within hours, it's 100,000 light years across. It is moving at a speed of 200 miles per hour, but nothing ever gets out of place. And it's not just a temporary little thing because scientists tell us that at that speed, it would take 2 billion years for our own Milky Way galaxy to make one complete revolution. Pretty impressive, right? So can, can, I, can I get, give, give me that first one of those. Let, let's. Dale pulled me up some pictures. I couldn't find anything. Which one have we got up here first? So, anybody, is Earth even on here? Oh, I see Earth. Anybody see Earth? That one over there is so much clearer if you can see it. About the fourth or fifth one, y'all see Earth? That's the planet that we're on compared to the sun. Man, that makes Earth look kind of small, don't it? Try to picture on that Earth you. How small would that be? But God says that he loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you. He didn't give it for the sun, that sun. He, he, didn't, he didn't give it for any of the planets. Now, y'all see earth compared to the sun, right? Hold on that image. Give me the next clip. You see the sun? Look at the sun compared to Pollux. Kind of get the idea of the size of that particular star? G give me the next slide. Look at Pollux, at where Pollux is. You see Pollux down there now? It's the little bitty one at the bottom. How big must Rigel be? How, how big would that one have to be? Now, now there, there's yet another one, right? I got one more slide. So you see Rigel, the little blue one down there at the bottom? Y'all see that, right? You, you remember where we started four slides ago, right? In the beginning, God spoke. In your God, your creator, the ones that you pray to, the one that you take your problems to, the one that you need help with your finances and your marriage and your home and your children and your sickness, the God spoke. And, and that began. You know why you can't get all of those up there on that screen? Because there's not a screen big enough to put that planet and the earth there. Because if I made the planet that big and you put a period for the earth, the period would be too big. So, so God expands the heavens. So let, let me ask you, if God can make something that great at the sound of his voice, but then take time to fashion you with his hands, do you think God doesn't care? Do you think God just put you here in the midst of all this and, and shut the door and said, let them fare on their own? 
And then if God can speak into existence something that big, and you say, but yeah, I mean, that's universe. That's huge. All, all that stuff is, is really big. So what about the other end of the spectrum? Everything is made out of atoms. Everything is made out of tiny little cells. An atom is less than 150 millionth of an inch. Anybody want to try to hold your fingers that far apart? A microscopic cell, the nucleus or the center of a cell, is less than four ten thousandths of an inch. The membrane of a cell is one millionth of an inch thick. So the truth is, whether we're talking about the vastly huge or the ridiculously small, God is in control of all of it. That means that that vastly huge God cares about the tiniest detail of your life. Everything that goes on, the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, is the writer of the entire Word of God. He inspired every written word from in the beginning to amen. Men wrote about things that they'd never seen before, that they'd never heard. They didn't know God used Old Testament writers to write of things because it's written of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God, the one that's been there the whole time, the only one that knows the truth, says in the beginning was the Word. The Word, your Word, your Christ, your Messiah, your Redeemer, your propitiation, the Word was in the beginning with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That is your God. That, that, that is our God. In the Greek form, that means empathetically not even one thing. Not one cell, not one atom, not one star was created without him. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse number 20, he tells us about how creation itself cries out the existence of God for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Why are we created? If the stars worship, if the heavens cry out the existence of God, why were we in the image of God created? Because God desires a family that chose him. And he's already chosen you. He's already chosen whosoever will. Let him call upon the name of the Lord that he shall be saved. He's already chosen. So, so it boils down to what God wants of the family who chose him. So Psalms chapter 19, David said in verse number 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Now I want you to look. Day unto day does what? Show me. Day unto day does what? Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language. Can I just tell you when God was giving me this message, I had no idea they were singing that. Isn't it amazing how God just can put things together? There, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That is the firmaments of heaven speaking the glory of God. 
That is the creation. That's the stars. That's those huge things. That's the Milky Way. That's the galaxies. That is those things speaking of God. At the triumphal entry, remember Jesus comes riding in on the colt, right? He comes into town and people are throwing down their coats and they're, and they're throwing down the palm branches. Worthy of a king. Praises of the king. And they're praising the Lamb of God. Hosanna to the Lamb of God. They're singing praises in the highest. And, and it come in Luke 19 verse 37. It says when he was come not even now the descent of Mount of the Mount of Olives, that the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees, they got all been out of shape. Well, they're worshiping you like a king. They're calling you the Messiah. Yeah, you would have thought the religious crowd would have caught on by now with all the miracles, but they haven't. The, the Pharisees, they said, some from among them said to the multitude, said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. The Pharisees wanted to tell Jesus to tell them to shut up. Anybody paying attention? I'm almost done. I know you don't believe it, but I am. I don't know what time we're going to get out, but I'm almost done. The Pharisees are telling Jesus, you tell them to shut their mouth. You tell them not to worship the Creator. You tell them not to worship the Lamb of God. You tell them not to worship the one that was and is and is to come. You tell them to worship the one, to, to stop worshiping the one that's going to pay for the sin debt. You tell them to stop worshiping the one that's going to come out of the grave on the third day and defeat death, hell, and the grave. You tell them to stop worshiping. Put it up there. This is what Jesus said. I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. What Jesus says, I can tell them to shut up if they want to. What Jesus says, you can shut up if you want to. You can keep your mouth closed if you want to. You don't have to worship if you don't want to. But I will be praised. Because if you keep your mouth silent, the stones are going to cry out on your behalf. All the creation is going to sing of my glory. All of the heavens are going to praise me. Be quiet if you want to, but I'll give the glory to something else for it. But if we're praising, if we'll sing praises to his name, then he'll fall down. And, and in the presence where we begin to praise him, God inhabits the what? The praises of his people. So when we begin to praise God, then this infinite, almighty God chooses to gather where we are. Make sense to you? Not a lick. All it says is how much God loves us. Now, Psalms chapter 148, the word of God says, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the height. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him. You got it up there? What? 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 The sun and the moon can praise? That's what it says, ain't it? Praise ye him, all ye stars of light. Praise ye him, heavens of heaven, and the waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. Now, God wouldn't command anything to praise him if they were not able to do so, would he? God would not command anything to worship him if it lacked the ability to worship. 
Verse 6, he hath also, also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. He exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise ye the Lord. God created all of creation to worship. But he created us in his own image that he might have a family that we might worship. Well, I was studying all this stuff this week. Y'all know my mind can't help but go back to Louis Giglio's video about nine years ago. I, I know everybody's seen the meshing of the stars. I get it. But can I tell you, it don't have to be new to be good. It don't have to be new to be impressive. Sometimes we just, be, just need to be reminded of some things. And I have no doubt that, that everybody has seen it. But, but here's the deal. On, on Thursday, y'all still reading the book of John? You, you got your card for this week? So on Thursday, we read about the woman at the well. We read again how she came down, and she's talking about worship. But Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 23, that the Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. If the Father is seeking someone to worship him, are we going to let the stones cry out on our behalf? If the Father desires worship and the Father desires praise, after all he's done for me, God done anything for anybody in here? God, God showed up in your night, midnight hour. God made a way out of your no way, paid a bill you didn't have money to pay, restored some things that were broken, mended some things, brought home some prodigals, took care of some waywards. God, God done something. God who has done all of that for us, or are we going to let the stars sing praises while we remain silent? We have a choice. We can, let the, we can let the rocks cry out while we remain silent, or we can say, not today. Not today. Rocks ain't crying out for me today. But we can take it a step further. Not anymore. Not anymore. The stars may keep singing. The planets may keep singing. The solar systems may keep humming. But I'm going to join into the heavenly symphony. When the Bible talks about a heavenly orchestra, a symphony, it's all the stars, it's all the planets, all the angels, all singing together. But I'm not going to let them sing anymore with the absence of my voice. I'm going to praise him because he's done some stuff for me. I'm going to praise him because he's worthy. Band, you guys come on. Y'all can come on up. I'm going to pray. So really the choice, the choice is ours. The choice is ours. Everything about us is a free will being. You want to be saved? Be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. You want to go to hell? Go to hell. It's your choice. Sorry, that sounds crude, but it's just your choice. God says that the wages of sin is death. That is separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You want to go to hell? You're welcome to. 
This is a place where the worm dieth not. The lake of fire is screaming is, is torture forever, separated from God all of forever. That's your choice. But God says if you go there, you'll go there by your choice. I paid the price. My son got up on Calvary's cross. You can be redeemed. All your sins can be forgiven. Your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. The son is going to prepare a place for you that where he is, there you can be also. Choice is yours. You want to go to heaven? Whosoever will, let him come. Not God's will that any should perish. So we're free will beings across the board. But we're also free will beings. You didn't, nobody made you come to church this morning. Nobody made anybody not come to church this morning. It was a free will choice. You chose to get up and come because you wanted to worship him. So if you want to worship him this morning, we're going to take just a few minutes. This thing's eight and a half minutes long. We're going to turn it over to the band on the back side of it. You just worship him how you will. Miss Fred, if you go ahead, Dale. He says, praise him sun and moon and praise him all you shining stars. That's not just a poetic idea. That's really happening because stars don't just shine. Stars also sing. Let me just show you a couple more stars. This one is called the Vela Pulsar. And it's magnificent. It's a thousand light years away. It's a highly magnetized neutron star. Right. It simply means this star exploded into a supernova, and in the case of the Vela Pulsar, it collapsed back on itself in a magnetic entity, and as the pulsar, it began oscillating on its axis. This one oscillates 11 times a second on its axis. And as it is oscillating, you can see what's happening. It's shooting a radio frequency out of itself. When they aimed the radio telescopes at the Vela Pulsar, this is what they heard. And this is what this guy does 24-7, day and night, 365 days a year. This is what, from a thousand light years away, the Vela Pulsar sounds like right now. This is it. Listen to this. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, that blew me away. I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. You're like, well, what does it mean? I don't know. Is that some kind of Morse code for something? Or what, what, what does all that mean? I don't know what it means, but, and I don't want to you know, go too crazy here, but maybe the Vela Pulsar got wind somehow innately of Psalm 148, verse 3, and says, it says, praise him, sun and moon, and all you shining stars. We're a shining star. We should praise him. Well, how are we going to praise him? I know. Let's oscillate 11 times a second on our axis and see if we can send a radio signal into the universe that would join in the symphony of God's praise from all creation. It's singing. The stars are singing to him. I recently stumbled on 47 Tuck. It's a, a beautiful uh, cluster of stars. We'll show you the picture of it here. There are 12 of these super giant blue stars in there, but the things that are of interest to us tonight are these millisecond pulsars. And right now, tonight, while we're sitting in this room, the 16 recorded millisecond pulsars and 47 tuck are making this sound right now.
that beautiful? Who knew? No, God has his own string section. He's not beautiful. And we've just looked at one 11 times a second pulsar and 16 millisecond pulsars, and you start seeing Psalm 48 come to life. But look down at verse 7. It says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps. The, the whale songs could sound like this right here. Take a listen. We don't know the expanse of the worship that is continually surrounding the throne of God. And our songs are great, but God isn't banking on our songs because he is surrounded by a symphony that's bigger than our wildest dreams tonight. Stars sing and whales sing and the birds fly. And I just tried to imagine what would it sound like if you could just for a second be God and hear what he hears. And I can't get us there tonight, but I, I came close. I had a friend who helped me with this little iPad program. And, and I'm not a DJ, but I, I just a little thing, just quickly, and I, I want you to see how this works. Now, this guy, we didn't look at his picture. He's PSR BO329-54. And he's only rotating one and a half times per second, which is not all that much, but we need him in our little experiment we're going to do here, okay? Um, and then we had the Vela Pulsar. You remember the Vela Pulsar, right? So that's that guy. That's a little too fast for what we're trying to do, so we're going to slow that down, okay? And so we're going to put the, uh, the millisecond guys in there. The ones you just heard, here they come. Thank you. 
with stars and whales. Time. It's you and the whale. 